Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay and Brent likes a no. <laughs> it's always superior. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but hey, I'm Kaylin. So you like a fucking women in the ass. Is that what you're saying? I like, no. He, sorry, <laughs> Gainal. He's I'm just Clark. a Gainal, Brent. Yeah, I'm Clark. <laughs> uh, anal fan Ryan here. Uh, I I prefer blowjobs, and this is Adam. <laughs> uh, this is Brent Wingate, and I can't imagine someone having their first cup of coffee lifted, listening to this podcast in the morning. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Blasting in the car while they're driving back to the office because we're their morning, their the morning commute. Yeah. <laughs> ah, nailed it. All right. Welcome to our third Hickopedia. What's Hickopedia? Well, it's a deep dive into a beloved creator's early works. Of course, the beloved creator in question is Jonathan Hickman. And this is with his era of the X-Men ending recently. So we're doing a time machine back a few years to kind of review, analyze, and dissect some of his previous Marvel stuff. We've done Secret Warriors and S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so you should check those episodes out. Uh, I think they're a lot of fun. Today, we're tackling his foray into Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four, and its spinoff title, The Future Foundation, or... <laughs> <laughs> So, Kayla, do you want to tell us who the Fantastic Four are? Yeah, sure. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know who they are already. Uh, but they're uh, Adam Kasari's favorite superheroes of all time. <laughs> um, and if you need a refresher, you've got Reed Richards, Susan Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm, who stole a shuttle and went into space, where they got hit by cosmic rays and got superpowers. Reed got stretchy and became Mr. Fantastic. Susan got invisibility powers and became first invisible girl and then eventually invisible woman. Uh, Johnny was able to light himself on fire and became the Human Torch. And finally, Ben got all rocky and became the Thing. Oh, and for the purposes of this conversation, Reed and Susan got married and had two kids uh, named Franklin and Valeria, or Val. Adam, uh, you want to talk a little bit about what happens in Hickman's run? I sure do. I'd love to talk about what happens in White Nonsense 4, because that's what I think about overall the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Uh, but a whole lot happens. A whole lot happens in Hickman's run. Uh, 616, Ree Richards discovers the Council of Reeds who mostly get killed by the Mad Celestials. A war erupts between four cities. A dead Galactus is uncovered. Annihilus returns. The Future Foundation is formed. Reed's dad, Nathaniel, and Johnny Storm make the ultimate sacrifice in trying to protect Earth from an invasion of the Negative Zone. Or so we think. Turns out, Johnny was resurrected as a gladiator in Nihilus's pits, but was able to escape after leading a resistance in the negative zone. Also, Val let the surviving reeds from the council into 616, and they've got some nasty plan for our universe. Hijinks ensue, including the Fantastic Four letting Doctor Doom assemble their most heinous enemies in order to take down the evil reeds. Johnny Storm marshaling the negative zone forces to take on the Kree Armada, and future Franklin gets his own Galactus. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we kind of covered that in all about 20 seconds. It's a, quite a number of issues. We're really talking about Fantastic Four, uh, the 1998 series, 570 through 688. And then also the, uh, there's, you know, and then 600 yeah. to 611. And then we've also got the 2011 FF or for short, and we're reading issues one to 23. So the entire um, run. So if you're trying to follow along with where our brains are at, now you know. So uh, let's kind of dive in just really quick, really quickly. One sentence only, it better be fucking like seven words or less. What did you guys actually think of this run? Give me some heat. It, for me, I've always liked the Fantastic Four. Thank you, that's uh, enough. <laughs> okay. uh, this expanded the world in the way that I've always wanted it to, in the way that it did for the X-Men and the Avengers. So I loved it. Kayla. Yeah, I'll second what Ryan said. Um, it, I think Hickman captured the energy of Lee and Kirby better than any of some of their other successors uh, by putting his own spin on it. I thought it was great. Uh, this series makes me not want to read any of the other ones, any of the other <laughs> series since. I haven't liked one since then. It just it doesn't match this. You mean Fantastic Four series? 
any series ever created. Series. <laughs> oh, TV show, TV show, this comic book. The highest possible praise Clark can give yeah. anything. He's never loved anything as much. I love it. I think if I was trying to sell someone on the Fantastic Four, this would probably be a pretty good place to start because it picks up very well on the themes that make them a great family, but also on the wackiness of the universe they live in and some of the really fun sci-fi concepts that they could potentially explore. Yeah, and I would say, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the core concept of Fantastic Four, I do think this overall run was highly engaging and very interesting. And I think they created a really good groundswell of different characters, particularly by building up the Future Foundation, which we'll talk about. So let's kind of get into the format overall about this series. Um, so within our previous Wikipedia's covering Secret Warriors and S.H.I.E.L.D., those were completely new titles. For Fantastic Four, Hickman had to take over an existing title for the first time ever. How did you all feel like that worked out for him and for you? I, I thought it was surprisingly well, honestly. Uh, I thought, um, you know, having to like come in uh, based, you know, based on like what previous creators have done, like he had to find their voices, but also like put his own spin on it. I thought it worked really well. The only time I didn't think it worked well is when he was picking up on a previous creator's work that's New World. <laughs> like anytime yeah. that was on page, I found myself losing a lot of interest. And it's unfortunate because the initial storyline is so good. And I know Brent probably like creamed himself over it with the Council of Reeds. Then after that, you go into New World and like, I'm like, oh, what a drop off in like my interest at least. Yeah, but overall, that was great. It's just literally one, that main one is one issue of that shit. And then later on at the very end, we get another issue of that shit. Um, so I just want to do a quick, like what each section is. So basically 570 through um, through 588 is like the slow buildup of adding all these, in, it, like here's another city, another city, another city, this is da da da, until 588 is when um, Human Torch dies. And then we <gasps> <laughs> then, Fantastic, then Fantastic Four was straight up canceled. Then it was FF for 11 issues. And then Fantastic Four came back as number 600. And then they, it was one issue, one, one issue until, Smart. until we got to the, let's see, Fantastic Four number something. Anyways, doesn't matter. Fantastic Four number 18, 15, excuse me, when they finally branched off to the, after the big storyline ended. And then was just mess um um so my i loved everything up until i loved the ending of of like of the main story and then i loved fantastic um, excuse me i loved ff going forward because it connected all that stuff fantastic mm -hmm. four was garbage after the end of that plot it was yeah. just it, none of it mattered i didn't care the last single issue of it was good but everything else was just nonsense sure. the art was, it was just not interesting and i Clark, didn't give are you talking about the plot being forever that the main, like the huge cataclysmic, like ending for the, the kind of, big no, I'm story? talking about the last maybe eight issues of fantastic four, where it was like, now let's go to Wakanda for no apparent reason. Yes, right. Now let's do this. And it's just like, if you didn't think these were important enough to not include in the first place, don't just no. randomly shove them in now. Yeah, no, that makes but sense. then meanwhile, Fantastic Four, I mean, excuse me, God, I keep calling it. FF. Just say Fuff. Fuff. Fuff was still on point and interesting. And it's because it used all the stuff that had happened before and was dealing with the weirder characters. Um, but all in all, I mean, this, I, I keep, I have the, you know, the, the scene where Spider-Man and, and, oh shit, Franklin are Johnny. talking about their dead oh. uncles. You know, that one little part yeah, of it. I have yeah, that yeah. on my computer just like, because I think it's such a powerful and excellent just piece of art. And, and yeah. it's the only dialogue in that issue because all mm -hmm. the rest of it's completely yeah, silent. it's so fucking good. Right, what do you uh, think? For, okay, so uh, with, before I was into the Avengers, I read all X-Men and I read all Fantastic Four growing up. Um, so when Hickman took over fantastic four i my mind was blown that this this team of four people could be expanded out this way and not just in a larger cast but like these greater ideas could be like expanded out so uh my mind was blown when 
this actually happened. And when FF branched off to its own thing of sort of like the younger youth uh, of the Fantastic Foundation, uh, I, I loved it so much. I, growing up, I just read all those uh, young X-Men teams and they did this with the Fantastic Four in a way that I never thought I could think the same concept. So I I absolutely loved it. I do have to say that once it hit that one crazy arc where sort of all storylines were meeting, it, it kind of floundered at the tail end of it. But I think that was because Hickman was trying to build to something maybe later. He was already told that he was on Avengers or something like that. So I think there's a piece, there's an element of that. So he's trying to not blow his load before he's doing an even bigger team. Uh, Galen? So, yeah. So what I really do love about this, and we'll get get into more about the characters, is this is the first time I've seen Hickman be able to marry his, like, long-ranging plotting um, and methodical plotting with some really mm-hmm. excellent characterization. You know, to Clark's point about like the, the the small moment between Franklin and Peter about talking about their uncles, um, like he's never hit those emotional highs, not in his Avengers, which we'll talk about in the next Wikipedia, not and not even in X Men. And as much as I love X Men, and especially like Hawks and Pox, like it's never it's never reached this level of like humanity. Uh, which you know, I am I like Fantastic Four. I'm not the biggest fan of the team. So I'm probably somewhere in between like Ryan and Adam about like my interest in the fantastic four. I think I, I always love them more conceptually than I do uh, in actuality, because I feel like writers often miss the mark uh, on, on what they're supposed to be about. And Hickman was able to find that perfect marriage of like family dynamics with like crazy sci-fi elements and using like the, like the, the most interesting parts of the Marvel universe uh, and harnessing them in such a, such a cool way that you're like, oh my God, like re- I was rereading it, but like reading all that stuff leading up to like mm-hmm. the mad celestial arc. It's just like, it's, it's like breathtaking. It's like, you're watching Endgame, you know, again for the first time. And it's just like, oh fuck, you've got like the, you know, uh, Johnny Storm with like all of like the negative zone forces fighting like the Kree Armada. And then you've got, you know, uh, uh, like future Franklin gets his own Galactus and he does, you know, to me, my Galactus, which is like the Professor <laughs> X line. I, like, I was like, what a fucking, like, holy shit, cool moments on top of just like wonderful character moments. Just, it's like, I can't, I can't say how much I love this more. Well, and I, I was going to jump in to say that I think there's a certain weight and heft to the story because it builds over so many issues that it feels real and makes sense versus in many cases, especially for Marvel books, they love to toss out all these team-ups. They love to toss out all these big cataclysmic sort of things. So <clears throat> I just appreciate that we got to a world where it all made sense and it felt like each of these finales or this bigger finale, particularly for this, like I think it was the five-part forever storyline that wrapped uh, kind of the major arc up, that that it all it all landed the way it was supposed to because nothing was really super sped through um and and in order to do that though you know he had two different concurrently running series um obviously you had after their sort of initial smaller runs like clark mentioned they started coming together to tell this larger story you had really telling a lot more of the sort of dr doom and i think valeria and and then with the fantastic four you had a bit more of what Spider-Man and, and the rest of the family was doing. And they obviously went back and forth and things like that. But how did it work besides, besides the annoyance of having to go back and forth and fucking Marvel Unlimited, as I'm sure you were all reading so, this, how do you think the comics work together? Um, that is, a, that is as Jonathan Hickman intended, that yeah. you have to uh, close out then reopen <laughs> yeah. and then research for an issue. Because you got to drink it in in those moments, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I Martin. have all all my, I have the actual copies up in my parents' house, which I'm here this week. So I've been reading all those for the last day. Um, I, I say hi. He's downstairs. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him, though. <laughs> Mark, what'd you um, think of the fucking thing? <laughs> what, I got distracted. Uh, the fact that there were two, I, I don't, as I said, I don't think there should have been two after the main storyline. should have gone back to one. The fact that they don't continue Fantastic Four right afterwards, FF continues with Matt Fraction. They knew that was the better issue, the better comic yeah. at the end there. Yeah. 
They yeah. just wanted to keep some sort of legacy numbering for a while. Um, I mean, I think it works. The main issue, and I don't know whether I should talk about it here or where, but the mad difference in art between the two yes. storylines. Oh. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. So fucking distracting. And I'll go into the art for I it know. perfectly. So oh my God, thank the, you. For the first run before we switch in FF, there are three artists, Eaglesham, Epting, and um, Edwards. And then once we switch to FF, they jump on FF. And then once they slip back, they go back to Fantastic Four. And then we get kind of like the B squad for yeah. FF. The only one that st sticks around is Dragata, who's in both at different times. And the B squad is like fucking mouth-based monster creatures. Like e like every child looks like a, a brat's doll if like they were melted <laughs> in the sun. It it's horrifying. But then every once in a while we get a Dragota issue and they actually look good. But it it's yeah. just, it's, it's jarring as fuck. Well, awesome. okay, yeah. I want, thank you for saying that because that's exactly what I was about to say because when you have that like back and forth, you have mostly like Steve Epting and then Barry Kitson drawing Fantastic Four and they're very like kind of uh, photorealistic style. And then Juan Bobillo is the artist on FF and he's actually a good artist. Like he did like the Dan Slott She-Hulk back in the day. And so like, he's got like a cartoonish style, but like when you're like trying to like, it's like, it's like the story works because it's telling you you know, uh, the same story from different perspectives. And I, I kind of enjoy that Rashomon-esque, like, uh, mm -hmm. view that, that happens. But it doesn't help when you have the art styles being so drastically different. So drastically different. And you're like, wait, what the fuck am I looking at now? Because it's like, it's like the scale is off, honestly. It's, like when, when, when one would show up in FF and then they show up in Fantastic Four, you're like, is that the same character? <laughs> it was so different that you're like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is challenging. I mean, I think we can all agree that none of these artists know how to draw a three-year-old because I did not realize Val until the end. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they drew her like Gary Busey in both series. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, the fuck is wrong with Valerie? Speaking of precocious three-year-olds, let's move on to the characters. Uh, so certainly Valeria stood out to me. Um, beyond that, did any of the characters, including Val, stand out to you all? Brent. I think that a lot of these side characters have a little bit of a droid feel for Star Wars that there's kind of some comic effect they're supposed to bring. And that can become very grating very quickly. What I liked about them was that they had a relatively light touch when it came to the humor, that they were often contributing to the plot. They were, they were actively doing something in the story, but that, you know, maybe my one critique of them is that a lot of them emotionally don't have much that's vested in it. So maybe Dragon Man has stuff like where he's interested in being a pacifist, but other than saying it, <laughs> they don't really explore it. Yeah. Other than people making fun of him for being a pacifist. Um, so I thought they were like, they're better than just being these stock side characters for comedic effect, but I would have liked them to be explored in some other way than just, Story. So you know, I, I say I've got an emotion and that's it. All of that stuff. So I was just talking about Matt Fraction's run afterwards on FF does that, that exact thing is gives yeah. them real stories and personalities. My favorite awesome. characters created for this were the Moloids. Yes. Just like complete weirdos. They're fa fascinating. And in, in Mark, Matt Fraction's run, one of them comes out as trans. And it's just like everyone's like immediately accepting. And it's just, it's really good. It's really well done. Nope. There's two hands up. Who? Go. Um, so uh, my breakout was Alex Power. Uh, mm. Because I, I when I first started getting into comics, I was looking at those uh, younger teams constantly. And so for one to be on this team so inherently and then just sort of be a breakout star. And he has a lot of like great moments, honestly, of like actually him learning who he is and also learning his powers that, yeah, he definitely was it. Back when I was reading, he was the one that I was watching constantly. I bet. <laughs> Nubile 19-year-old. <laughs> I was the same age at the time. It wasn't weird. <laughs> that was disgusting. I think you're foul. I liked... I liked um, 
young Bentley a lot because I, his relationship with Val I thought was great. Mm-hmm. But my 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 breakout character is actually Spider Man uh, because uh, you know Peter. He Parker, doesn't get a lot of screen time either, so that's good. It it isn't, but <laughs> like Peter Parker was supposed like in his very first issue back in like nineteen sixty two whatever, like he um, he was supposed to join, like he was like, oh, like Spider-Man joins the Fantastic Four, obviously never really happened. But him actually joining the team once Johnny, quote unquote, died, um, you know, kind of fulfilling that, like that, almost that prophecy and, you know, having to fit in, I thought was great. And like, Spider-Man is a hard character to get correct. And like Hickman um, got his sort of like, aw shucks, like over the top. Like I could hear Tom Holland's voice you know, or Andrew Garfield's voice, like in, um, in that character, which is what I thought made it work really, really well. I, I mean, the, the, the bad roommate issue with Spider-Man and uh, the human torch, like he's just wanting to evict human torch because such a fucking terrible roommate and just complete drunken mess as it turns out. I fucking loved it. I mean, the homoeroticism involved was part of the reason yeah. why. <laughs> Do we and, want to talk about the gay of it all? Yeah, let's shitting, jump into the, let's go, let's go deeper down the Spider-Man path. Let's start with the yes. gay of it all. Well, I mean, he's wearing almost nothing and has like a, one of those sexy aprons on. So that seems super fucking gay. <laughs> you, well. They, they both, they both to go, decide to go watch a nihilist shit on a toilet together. Yeah. Like yeah. it's MAL. That's very gay. <laughs> I mean, Blum in general, I do think in general, it's like one of those like Hickman knew what he was doing because every element of that just seems like it's a bad relationship. It seems like Peter Parker is like the button up like person in the relationship that's just like ah, this like se- this fucking sexy person is just cooking me some breakfast and taking me out to party and obviously probably fucking me off panel but I got to get rid of him. I'm just so tired of it. But that dick is so good. Like there's just so much in that issue that I was like, what is happening in this issue? Is Johnny the B in apartment 23? That's what I want to know. Yes. That's actually a really good comparison uh, for that. What was happening? Question. Did Johnny and Spider-Man not get along before? Cause I thought they sort of liked each other, but no, they've John- always liked friend- other, but it's always like a jokey I'm mad at me. Before he joined the team, he was real anti him. Fuck Spider Man. What? Said. He had his like his final grave thing, not grave thing, was you shouldn't have Spider Man join this team. It was yeah, yeah, in the and their earlier issues. It was, it was, issues, but it was, was definitively it was, like, fuck Spider Man. Yeah. Spider Man keeps showing up. But the lens was Franklin idolizing Spider-Man yes. and Johnny being jealous that Blood he wasn't hurts, idolizing yeah. it was, him. So. It was two straight men being really upset or maybe bisexual, pansexual, who knows, Ew. being very upset that they weren't top of the crop and can't speak about their emotions. Ryan, do you, Ryan, do you, Ryan, do you, uh, do you remember when Dokken, I'm saying this, do you remember when Dokken and, <laughs> and, and Human Torch fucked? Yes, everyone. Yeah, it's a uh, it's my bedspread. I was just that, answering those panels. Adam's question. No, they, uh, they had him like taking off his pants. Yeah, and no, and it, it was basically yes, yes, like yes. a morning after where they're like, so what? Are, so what are we doing now? Wait, it was like that. Well, wasn't Iceman? Was like they fucked? They fucked? I thought it was Iceman. He fucked. No, no. Well, yeah, and no, Human Torch first. Never. Don't get it twisted. It was yeah, Human when, Torch um, first, when, and then when Dawkins took over Wolverine's storyline. Yeah. Song, Wolverine song of Fire and Ice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that does make sense. Uh, no, what I was gonna say was Ryan when they were doing shots. Uh, that was very much you and me energy at the bar <laughs> on a Friday night. A thousand, yeah. <laughs> you know when when Dokken was uh, fucking Iceman and then Human Torch, he's like. Oh, this is icy hot. Do you have? Is this been gay? <laughs> they're like, they're like, God. no, you have gone real. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 Ben Riley, the new Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> what did maybe- you guys? What did you guys think of just some of the how the other? You know, you, the main you had you had Reed, you had. Uh, Can we Sue, start with some of the villains? What's up? Yes, the the villains and the yeah. the sense in which Hickman will not let the shittiest villains go. <laughs> that like mole man keeps showing up, wizard keeps hanging around. You're just like, Diablo. Who the fuck are these 
B-list losers. Yeah, we did the taxes with Mole Man. That was weird. They're just waiting in the like the 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 curtains, just like can can I do something that matters? I so I will say I loved the plot to bring all the villains together to kill the reeds or stop the reeds. Thought that was a fantastic storyline, but it also, to your point, Brent, gave an opportunity to like use all these fucking rogue gallery characters that are obviously like asshole crazy people, but in a way that was like more interest. They were almost their own team, right? For some of this book to fulfill that part of the plot. What did you guys think about that, Kaylin? Well, I what I loved about it was when uh, Doom brings them, like the Council of Doom, and Diablo's like, let's go after their families and their kids. And Reed's <laughs> like, you don't understand what you're dealing with. These are people who don't have, Reed's who don't yeah. have families. They gave that all up to solve everything. They are unhinged. And like, <laughs> and like, everyone's like, oh, fuck. If Reed is scared of his own, like, parallel selves, like, this is actually, like, a holy shit moment. Brian, this bitch Hickman loves a council. She can't get enough. I love her. I love him so much. But he's like, what if we have the council of the? That's what's going to be next. He's going to combine all the councils he's done in the past: Illuminati, the Reeds, uh, the Council uh, of Councils, the Quiet Council, the Quiet Council. Yeah, he he can't help himself. He's like, well, what if we chat about it together in a circular motion? Infographics. If it's infographics. Councils and time travel. Yeah. No, and, the and infographic was this yeah. could have been an email. This could yeah. have been an email. <laughs> uh, let's dig into the actual storylines themselves because that'll probably also get additional character beats out. What was the, you know, was there a specific storyline that resonated with you? You can feel free to call it whatever you will and we'll try to solve for what issues you're talking about. <laughs> Ryan, you go. I'll start. It's, it's sort of a beat within like, I think three storylines were going on at the same time. Um, and it's not my favorite storyline, but it's something that awoken in me where Namor and uh, Susan were ha- just basically going about their business. It is so sexy. It yeah. is so oh, yeah. hot. The sexual tension, you can cut through the fucking room. It's, it's mm-hmm. insane how fucking hot it is that he wrote them this way. It's, it, it's so well done. Um, and you can really see marriage is such a theme with the the fantastic four at all times in the way that no comic will ever have this. And so that's one of its reasons why it's such a strong comic. They're a family first, all that shit. But the way to do the way to do this with like sexual tension with Susan, while they're trying to work on their marriage, it was just, it was very enlightening and I, I really enjoyed it at the time. And so turned on, uh, Kalen. Uh, I think solve everything. The the inaugural storyline is probably, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it definitely set the tone because it completely gives you what Hickman's run is going to be about. Um, You know, it's that it's the, again, going back to what I was saying before, that perfect symbiosis of like the crazy science fiction stuff with the family stuff. Like, obviously like we were Rick and Morty fans, or at least we were fans of the early seasons, like the council of Rick's, is very much uh, a pastiche of the Council of Reeds. And the first time I read that, I was like, oh, this is really fucking cool, especially you've got a handful of them with, uh, you know, that actually have the Infinity Gauntlet. They've given up everything to to make humanity better or make their worlds or their universe better. And Reed has that temptation of, like, being a man of science, that he can do this. He can join his brethren to do it. But the, the, the pull of his family brings him back. You know, Sue and Johnny and Ben and, of course, you know, Franklin and, and Valeria bring him back. And it's like it's such just a, a, a great way to kick everything off. Love it. Clark, what was yours? Um, I mean, there's a, so many there. I really like the development of Franklin going like actually his older self helping him in some like weird negative white paper version. Um. I just love them creating the creating his own universe in which totally just looks like he's masturbating under the sheets in like some weird room. And they're like, what does your father know what you're doing at one point? Um, and I like him and, and Leech, I was gonna call him Leech. Uh, Leech, you know, creating their weird fucked up dinosaur gummy night world where everything's just <laughs> being a complete train wreck. And 
and that's the timey-wimey, you know, Doctor Whoiness of it all, where he's having to go back and save the world. And as you said, with the to me, my Galactus moment is just fucking phenomenal. So good. So I all of the stuff with him. There are kind of two themes that I or stories that I really liked. One is very Hickman, the wheels within wheels of mm-hmm. young Valerie realizing that she is used in a plot by uh, Nathan Richards, who's being used in a plot by older <laughs> Valerie. I thought, oh, this is actually, it's not like trying to make, be a very bam, bam, bombastic reveal, but it's kind of enjoyable that that's a, those are layers to the onion. But the actual story I think I liked the most was one of the ones post uh, Mad Celest- Celestial Battle, which was the future Fang story. Mm. Uh, Reed Richards yeah, that was a good issue. Future to watch uh, what happens to his friends, in particular the Fang, and to see his friend get older and how it changes over time. Even though the math doesn't work out, uh, that he comes back and decides the same choice that he made about um, you know, not joining the council, which is to spend time with the time with the people he loves. I thought that was a very heartfelt moment. I wish it permeated more of Hickman's stories, but it's a clear example of where he can do it well. Taylor? Yeah, I was just gonna say, speaking of like the the kind of the one-off issues, and this is the point one issue that was after the main storyline ended, that uh, went into the um, the the read with the the long beard. You find out he's a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very um, so Jonathan Hickman. Clearly, you can see a lot of his inspirations. Warren Ellis is a big canceled ass. Warren Ellis is a big <laughs> inspiration to Jonathan Hickman because there was a lot of like planetary in there which um in planetary the bad guys are known as the four and it's an evil version of the fantastic four uh who are they're explorers that don't want to take humanity with them uh it's very much like evocative of a lot of ellis's um tropes even so much where like you saw like the swastika like the it being like kind of like burnt off part of it and it created the four on the rocket uh and then other symbols um i i was like oh that's a i was like okay that's kind of a clever like you know, a uh, way of giving a backstory to one of the, the bad reads. Um, so uh, I thought that was actually pretty well done. I, my, I ended up really liking, cause it was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know where the series would go. Um, the sort of like lead up from the negative zone and then the death of Johnny Storm. I thought that was handled really well. I thought the emotional <laughs> impact of him staying behind, getting the kids out. I thought it was really cool that they had to be, you know, Sue and Reed had to be off uh, planet or at least off out of the Baxter building. So I just liked how that all worked out. And that's where I, that to your earlier point, I think it was might've been Brent where it's like, I love Hickman's writing of death. It's not always super emotional. So when it, when he does it, he does seem to do it really well, which I really appreciate because some people are great at the academic sense and the world building sense, but can't hit the characters. And I think he always ends up really nailing it when he has to um, like, particularly for that sort of emotional storyline. And in very fast descriptor, and particularly because I know it's going to be all of the issues from after the forever story arc ended, what are your least favorite storylines from this run? Clark? I, I don't know if it's, well, uh, new, everyone's going to say New World, it's garbage. We don't need to say that. Yeah. I think they underdeveloped the Atlantis stuff. Mm. Yes. The, the, like fine. the Atlantic Atlantis kids don't say fucking word one. Basically, they say stuff, but it doesn't really matter. It it. We, uh, I, we, I like the Namor stuff. Those bad guys were just kind of there and not there. Um, I, I tell you, yeah, that, that's my fucking yeah, answer. Agreed. Same. The, the, the story for the, you know, fighting the Mad Celestials and the, the Council of Reeds, it ends and then there's nothing to do. But then all of a sudden, Doom has control of all <laughs> of the locked up Dooms. And now they're under, you know, his order. Mm-hmm. That seems so exciting, and it just ended with kind of nothing. That they recover one guy, and they they try and wrap up the series as quickly as possible. To me, that felt like such a wasted opportunity. That's because he's doing to... something else at this point. They're yeah, already they already told him. They already told him like you're on Avengers, so like he's trying to wrap it up to go well, in a different direction. Ryan, I don't blame him <laughs> for having a life, but I want him to tell the story. I want him to tell. I mean, also, fair, fair. Doom, Doom is heavily important in the, in the FF series that comes after this. Kill him, all right, all, 
I was going to say, um, it's not the worst, but I didn't particularly love the Black Bolt interlude about how he came back. I thought it was a little... How, I still don't even well, understand how he came back. What even happened? Yeah, it was... That's the thing. It's like, I don't think it's particularly <laughs> explained terribly well. It just, it just is. It's just like, okay, you had like all the stuff with like War of Kings and, you know, the Thanos Imperative and all that shit yeah. happened. And then all of a sudden, they sort of bring him back because Black Bolt's important to the storyline. So it felt very rushed. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like... Mm-hmm. I was like, I was, anno- I was annoyed that like they took like the action away from the, the main characters into that. And it still felt very rushed at the same time. Question. Yeah, he, he, oh, a lot of this was him picking up the pieces from Abnet, uh, landing in Abnet, uh, their annihilation run and their yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy and all of this stuff in War of Kings, as you said. Where I mean, suddenly Annihilus is a fifteen-year-old or something, where he just had to quickly be. All right, we need the character back. I don't have time yeah. to. I've got. 40 issues to do all this stuff and obviously I have a shit to get done so I'm not going to do the too I can't do too much work on it. It's it's it was kind of interesting because I remember that era and I was sort of reading all the comics at the time and then when they're just like Annihilus and then Blast Star and I was like oh fuck that did happen right at the same time. It was like sort of a wake up call. Yeah. Like, oh, that's strange. Yeah. Uh going back to the Black Bolt storyline for a second. Um just as a question, why doesn't the supreme intelligence look like a net betting? Uh, what's <laughs> going on there? You don't think they look the same? I really thought they should look more similar, but Clark- here, here, here's a question I had both times when I read it first and read it now. Did, what is the supreme intelligence's timeline? He's it's it, like it, it's been what six thousand years or something since last he was all around. But then there was like yeah, three gold scroll war and stuff in like nineteen eighty seven or something and yeah. Operation whatever fuck. He's he's been in comics in the last twenty five years. That's I, what I was trying to figure out for sure. It's not like he magically didn't exist. I don't get it. Are there no, two? We Maybe I well, didn't understand there, it. Yeah, I wonder if it was more like the version that they. I have no idea. I looked it up. The version that they had was not the original, right? Because they had the Supremor seed or whatever that they were rebuilding mm-hmm. with the two reeds. Yeah, Daddy, give us the Supremor seed. seed. Uh, I want your Supremor seed. <laughs> Supremor seed, Daddy. Oh, God. Uh, but no, I also daddy. was very confused. Hey, because... hey, Brent, what do you think FF really stands for? It can't be fucked twice. Come on. <laughs> It's just a passing gas. Uh, oh, my, my first thought was fake friends. <laughs> Aww. That, that was the fun. initial thing that we were going to call this. Podcast, That's what I put actually. out on my grinder profile. <laughs> FF. Fast fuck. <laughs> also, why why does that why does fucking Black Bolt need five more wives? I found like that was such a strange addition to the lore. Yeah, the weird I kind addition. of enjoyed that. I do like that, yeah. I was glad that they finally addressed it with Medusa that she actually talks to him about it. It seemed really late in the story to have that conversation. <laughs> and also that it got passed over so quickly was bizarre. Well, he was dead I, for part of that com- for for that situation. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know. He woke up and he was married four times more. I mean, the idea of them being a polygamist is so obviously weird and alien, uh, at least uh, in our society, that like it like I want the Inhumans to be like that much, like more like removed from what we know as like as cultural norms. So I sort of enjoyed it in that regard. I'd almost wish like they kind of flipped the switch and you had like Medusa having like four more husbands, yeah. you know, instead of having like Black Bolt having four more wives. Don't you like how all the different queens have a? Oh, it's a completely different form of evolution. One is Iogenesis. One is Biogenesis. The other is Ceogenesis. And you're like, <laughs> okay, fucking bitches. It's like it's, chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate. Shut the fuck up. These are the same. It's it's annoying, but also there was four major cities that were gonna be like. I mean, <laughs> we could do this all day. We could do yeah. this all day. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Rogers. All hope story, lies you know. in doom. All hope lies in doom. <laughs> This is an aogenesis and a biogenesis conversation. So see your genesis out of here. (laughs)
Uh, let's Fair talk right. a little bit more about the Council of Richards. Uh, they want to solve everything at the price of their own lives. Would you sign up for that? Sure. Yeah, why not? It's pretty tempting. <laughs> I mean, they've got a pretty good, they got a pretty strong appeal. Like, if you could save lives across the multiverse, what's the cost of, you know, a few planets here and there? Okay, I'm now envisioning like different spinoffs of Homo Superior, but all five of us are like five Adams or five Clarks, oh, five Bruns, five Ryan. I imagine, yeah, I imagine it's a similar thing, but it's uh, we're Nathaniel Richards, where we're trying to kill each other. <laughs> we all want to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, uh, so that was a really interesting concept of that storyline, which was that who who set them up to fight again? It was Amortis, was that right? That they were like, he was like, go fucking kill each other and steal each other's. Pa-. It was basically Highlander essentially yeah how'd you guys feel about that could you do it could you kill yourself in a different timeline yeah why not i don't care i mean if if the alternate me's are trying to kill me maybe eventually yeah why not yeah Yeah, it's it's me or me i'm gonna choose me you know what i mean uh what if they're okay so if there were councils for each of the other multiversal fantastic four so sue's ben's johnny's what would they what would they look like? You know, what would they what would that show up as? I think the most stable one would have to be the Sue's. That's not true. Uh, the most second most famous Sue is an evil Sue Storm that is like kind of a Nazi. So the one in this this run? Well, third most famous after um the one who dies in um Ultimate. But you don't think that's like the biggest aberration that like the other Sues of the uh, the rest of the multiverse? We don't know like, enough. It's of not. Them. It's not like. It's not like. It's oh, this one Sue is the best, uh-huh. and then it's Nazis all the way down. Well, the problem is that <laughs> it's yeah. a lot it's of easy also, Some of it is based on which one she marries. Oh. Yeah. and if I, that I, is it, so, so much key to her character is this romance between uh, the three. If that is a deciding factor in who they become, then that is going to be a main issue in that pro- possible council. Hers would be I the think, most powerful, obviously. But oh, I think yeah, you're gonna say sure. powerful, hundred percent. And you would see a lot of them just uh, with fish sperm in them, and just you would have to see what that looks like. Because <laughs> oh, Namor uh, in most I, of these realities is really getting it in, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure. I was gonna say Are the they, most stable, actually. I think the Ben Grimm's. I no, think you'll see different. Yeah. I think you'll see the yeah. different variations of like the rockiness, and you'll have some human ones, you know. But like Ben is such like, um, pardon the pun, he's such the rock for Fantastic Four. Like he's just like, he's the like the most grounded one. He's the one that like, you know, um, I think it's sometimes like the moral center. Uh, and so I, 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 I can't imagine there being like, even in like the, the Nazi universe that we saw, he's like, his name is, you know, Jakob, like he's a, he's a Jewish pilot. And he's the one that's like ostensibly good, like you know, uh, with all these these Nazi folks who are there. But like, what the fuck would a whole council of things do? Like, they'd clobber shit, I guess. But I'm like, then they drink. Like... They would drink. <laughs> they get wasted. It's clobbering I, times. Times. I, <laughs> Clark, I just realized that you thought when I was talking about the Sue Storm Nazi one, you were t- I was talking about that six hundred point one issue. I'm talking about a different a different one. No, we had, know like, there's multiple Nazis. The, no, no, I meant I meant yeah, there's multiple Nazi versions of her. Well, I so, didn't I didn't think that. I I was just suggesting that yeah. the Sue Storm we see is probably like a typical Sue Storm. Oh, so we've got yeah. So it sounds like we've only ever seen two Sue Storms that are not Nazis and two Sue Storms that are Nazis. So it's a 50-50 shot that any Sue Storm you meet will be a Nazi. Yeah. I'm just saying that's mad. They always and say that's that. Just it's a matter mad. of yeah. probability. Yeah, that's just right mad. <laughs> She's so the I, Nazi I, who played Yahtzee. The uh, the Franklins, I feel like, would be in a like nuclear stalemate that they yeah. all could, could create and destroy each other's universes, but they just know that they would have to stop and not do anything. I I actually would love to see a council of dooms. Like oh, uh, yeah. Would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Not a what, parliament, but a council. <laughs> yeah. What would yeah. what would a council of leeches be? And do oh, you think so if, cute. If, do you think one leech cancels the other leech's power out or do they all cancel each other's power out so any mutant nearby is not canceled out or is he canceled no, out? I, I think it's even, as long as it's an even number, they're just the most powerful. You know what I mean? Double oh. That's just right math. That's, that's just, just right math. math. 
I was gonna say I feel like it, I feel like leeches must be like the infinity stones where it's like they only work in your universe kind of thing. Oh, you want to crush them with a fist? <laughs> I want to fist fuck leeches. Um, all right, let's talk about we kind of hit a lot of the worlds. New world we talked about, we all fucking hated it. Old Atlantis where New Atlantis wasn't built out enough. We didn't talk, we talked about Black Bolt storyline. What did you all feel about the actual inhumans overall? plotting because we also had the um ronin and crystal romance clark you're a huge crystal lover you love that crystal what do you, you love crystal <laughs> <laughs> and brent, uh, brent ask your question first so and then I, I'll I, I guess this both. is something this is something i did not know no i don't know i've never read any of the inhumans why were they already in adelan at this point at the start of the story the, this is all heavily based on the necessity to be talking about War of Kings. Mm-hmm. All this is War of Kings stuff, yeah. which also came out of many, there was multiple miniseries of the Inhumans, which then brought it into War of Kings. Yeah. So there was not enough explanation there. The fact that Ronan and Crystal are together was, I, I love the, when it was built upon in War of Kings and how it became to be. But it just kind of felt very strange yeah. if you suddenly had read it halfway through. Yeah. But I, but since I remembered it, I felt it because I remembered what the fuck happened. Um, it, it was very, it's purposely Diana and Prince Charlesy like put families forced together kind of thing. Right. That makes sense. What about so the, the answer? Is we didn't like it. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. not. What, it's funny because I, I when they had the like the initial build up, I think in the what five. 570 to 588 uh those i thought were really interesting and then once they really became this war of four cities everything became a lot less interesting i think because they stopped used they stopped continuing to develop the characters and relationships in those worlds and simply used a lot of them as a means to an end for advancing the final the final fantasy fours the fantastic fours (laughs) plot uh fantastic fours plot which you know i i liked the world building they were doing and then when they started having these cataclysmic events it started kind of smashing them together a little a little too fast for me but brent what'd you think the the way that they exist i, I think it's interesting to com, uh, compare like old atlantis to the inhumans because they both seem like these very alien you know races that you've got to do some geopoliticking with and there's a certain sense in which the atlantis stuff you know it's it's very surface level like oh well, i've well. got this this kind of tribe and this kind of tribe and how do we work together? Whereas with the Inhumans, you've got these very defined characters and you're trying to expand in detail on their history, but you don't go into the things that motivate anyone outside of Black Bolt and maybe Medusa a little bit. So I like that they feel like this kind of foreign presence, that mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not like the rest of the Avengers or anyone else who's willing to help uh, save Earth you know, for Earth itself. But I kind of wish there was more that they had, you know, kind of shown and explored. Maybe if they just like, if Hickman had known that he could have expanded that portion of the storyline in some more interesting dynamic way so that he didn't have all the fat at the end, I would have liked that. Also, Medusa ends up becoming a member of the Fantastic Four right after this storyline in the FF storyline, and her son joins the team. So it's it's all of this stuff is continued. I'm assuming yeah. Matt Fraction and he talked about this and how to continue the story. Yeah. So that he had time, to, he didn't have time to develop it, so Matt Fraction could. Yeah. Uh, what about quick hits on the negative zone, bug fucking, and also the light brigade? I like that a lot. I like the fact I- that. The, the election, the election. <laughs> so good. That was totally fucking wrong. <laughs> the election is so good. I love the horse guy. Uh, like, yeah. especially when he's in the uh, the issue with uh, Johnny and Peter being roommates. He's like, mm-hmm. I have an engorged home. It's like, you mean a full house? <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> the, the fact that when you see a nihilist, uh, at every point before you actually see him, he's this a uh, huge monstrous being whose face takes up the entire room and then when you actually see him he's this little impy cosplay <laughs> green goblin bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Uh, the, uh, 
the fact that it was like his character is, uh, I mean, I, the election was so funny, but, and it, it obviously works out for how do you get him back into the pot? But it's like, just the idea that like that fucking asshole just has a command control rod. Let's just take that. And then like, now he fucking beat you, you dirty cockroach. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like, I really did enjoy that. Uh, Cause he's an asshole. And I, he just, I did love his weird cult. I love this, like Johnny taking home, the ale like the you know bug version of that woman where it could just she would just explode and then broke into the negative zone i thought that was oh that was wild yeah that was some body horse shit oh yeah he puts that dick i mean he needs (laughs) to be way more careful but also i do love the complete naive uh view that you can set up elections in a place that's been ruled by a gemstone for hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Johnny's death. Where does it rank for you among major Marvel deaths and comic deaths generally? Did you feel the heart? I, I'm sorry, Ryan, you go. Okay. Um, I definitely did because I was reading it uh, in real time back in the day. And I thought he truly, especially with Hickman, with all the big moves he was doing, I really didn't think they were going to bring him back, you know, for a while. Um, which ended up being like two years or something, but um, but uh, yeah, I I think that emotional last scene where uh, the thing is banging his head on the the barrier to try to get through, and then the last shot of him with this single tear and him saying, Oh god, Johnny, like I it it really did hit hard. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. the complete the silent part. issue purposefully the, yeah, the yep. when when he's you know has uh, when ben is like crumpled with the two kids under his arms mm-hmm. as i already said the uncle thing like i don't know if it was the death itself but it was every single thing surrounding it uh, like just it's a family drama it's about love it's about human connection and and just family so obviously if one of the main parts of the family is ripped out then it's going to be horrifying and depressing and really well done yeah you have any thoughts Kalen? no i think uh, clark and ryan hit it as someone who has who you know could expect that he would come back for me the actual death itself it was you know not as impactful but still enjoyable i think because (laughs) it serviced an interesting continuation of the plot that it wasn't just some arbitrary he returns so that we can get back to things as usual my only wish is that for him, there was more of a cost to having been there for two years or whatever. They, they talk about how he looks older, but if his character felt slightly different, uh, I think that would have made it more meaningful. But I don't know. The, the idea that there, there's this death-obsessed bug uh, culture of gladiators that's just constantly taking people apart and putting them back together, I think it's a pretty good reason to kill Johnny. <laughs> I I did laugh because I think you mentioned er, like I think we were kind of talking about how Johnny and Spider-Man are like relatively similar which is probably why they also are get along and don't get along at the same time it did feel very much like for the book it, it was almost like a little bit of fight and replace I think of it like in Final Fantasy games or other RPGs where it's like your main axe user dies and then a couple towns over you get another axe user that has all the exact same skills like <laughs> Obviously, their special powers were different. But what they provided in terms of family dynamic was exactly the same. So I, I just thought that was a, you know, it was a good, smart kind of flip around. But I, I feel like there's probably other people they've rotated into the Fantastic Four, like Medusa, and like others who probably added a, a much larger and very different dynamic than simply another like young, jokey, fast talker kind of uh, a person. Um, thematically just kind of like a big wrap-up question for us uh you know what are some of the through lines you've seen in this that you also saw in secret warrior shield and obviously even going into the x-men run and the x-men work that we were just reading uh more recently as part of the regular podcast kalen uh the hubris of smart uh white men uh is very much part of hickman stuff like you've seen it you know, with Nick Fury in Secret Warriors, um, with, you know, the various folks who were running the, you know, multi-generational shield uh, to read. Um, and then obviously, you know, with Professor X and Magneto in, um, in his X-Men work, 
But like Reed, again, I think he's his hubris is tempered by um, by his connections to his family, and they bring him back down. And like even his own father, who is an arrogant man himself, Nathaniel Richards, like basically kind of tells him like, you know, you've got to like you have to like be there for your family in the way that I wasn't. Um, and like you know, do as I say, don't do as I do. But that's very much, I think, a through line that I see through a lot of Hickman's work. Um, I, going off of that really quickly, I like that because with Professor Xavier, his relationship with his son is nonsense. His relationship with his family is non-existent. His sister is a monster from hell. Um, and then with then Nick Fury is just like letting his one of his sons just goes and dies with like the black caterpillars or whatever. The other one he doesn't even know because yeah. he was a little illegitimate and never met him then. So it's like the fact that this one, this this one educated white and, and smart, overly smart individual has this family connection is kind of the thing that saves him from it being like complete ordeal the other two have to deal with. I think for me, one of the bigger ones is um, the fragility of institutions and the degree to which trust is the only thing that allows us to kind of progress with our own machinations. You've got all of these people and, and parties who have different interests who are conflicting with each other. And there's so many times where someone requires another character to make a leap of faith in order for anything to work out. And you saw it all the time with S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it happens all the time here that it really, you have to put aside the fact that you've got some you know, uh, petty squabble with each other to recognize that there's a greater threat that could destroy you all. Ryan? Ryan? Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. It's like, it, it's kind of funny because it, all, all of his runs are, they're all desperately trying to control certain things. And then it gets out of hand. And even Hickman himself, he's desperately trying to put more charts together, trying to put it all <laughs> together, trying to control every little aspect. To that at the end, when you try to control everything, you lose a little bit of humanity, like to Kalen's earlier point. So I think that you'll definitely see it in the next Avengers run that we'll do at some point. But like you, if you try to control everything, you're going to lose a part of yourself. And I don't know if he actually intentionally meant that meant to do that, but I see that through a through line through all of his work. Well, the one thing I want to see that I had, I don't remember since Avengers run is between this and secret wars i want to see how those two connect with it i just i just can't even fathom them having even been the same writer just because they seem segmented in my mind because something else bigger was in the middle of the two i just want to see how that kind of brings up a good question of just as an artist or sorry as a writer and yeah artist as a creator you know where i think Ryan, Clark, Kalen, you've all read the Avengers run. I think Grant and I will have to do that, but we've obviously also read the X-Men runs. Where, from this, where do you feel like Hickman has really matured, changed, evolved um, as we keep going down his, uh, his, uh, his uh, you know, long series of work? Kalen? Uh, so I, I kind of want to, like, um, do something off of what Ryan said, because I think it was really smart, which surprised me as probably surprised him. What? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a that was a that was a low blow, Ryan. I apologize. But um, that's that's was... what we call a Ryan. He blows low. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. No, that was that was so super mean to me. But like, is is the idea of trying to control everything? You lose a part of yourself. And I think with Hickman, like you know, he wrote Fantastic Four and FF. He he wrote New Avengers and Avengers. He wrote all of Secret Wars. And then when he got to the X Men, he set the stage. And then he um, he uh, um, let other writers help develop the world. And so it evolved in its own way with the X books so that he couldn't tell the story that he originally envisioned. And he was mm -hmm. like, you know what? That's okay. I created this and now I can step away from it. And there's, I think that shows a level of maturity as a writer uh, that, um, that I, don't, I don't think we always see for these kinds of auteurs. I guess we could do that with that and also in relationship to Secret Wars, which he it was his miniseries, but like there was 500 yeah. miniseries based off of it. So it wasn't really yeah. his whole story either. Yeah. But I don't I don't know how that turns out because I haven't reread it since I, 2015. Yeah. 
I do think that his evolution, at least to the X-Men run, is... Prov- and I, I mean, I read a little bit of the Avengers and then had stopped because I was almost very overwhelmed by how much was happening in it without having any read any of the lead-up stuff. Um, but I do think with X-Men, there... I think what you were saying before, Brent, where it's like there's a lot of great characters, um, but they're not. we're not really getting into their depths, whereas I feel like with a lot of the work that we were doing in X-Men... It, you know, there's still going to be people that, that these characters have been around for years. So they're still going to play off of the existing archetypes we know about them and what they might say without giving them a lot of depth. But I do feel like a lot of the more recent X-Men stuff, even the side characters have a little bit more heart connection and real conversation rather than just like the Star Wars kind of droid gimmicks um, that we were saying before. So it's all still really good. I'm not saying that it was bad at this point. I'm just, it's like a good thing to start keep seeing where the people mature. And I think uh, alternatively where I'm seeing a lot of it is also in how he deals with these sort of like, not neutral villains, but like think of how when they got all of the villains together to kill the reeds, how that interaction worked with like people. It was, it's all very Krakoa, right? Like it literally, Baxter building was basically just the quiet council slash Krakoa, which is like, how are we going to juggle all these like villains that are also doing the right thing also have general good thoughts, we have history with, so on and so forth. So a lot of those dynamics really play out um, in parallel to each, excuse me, in parallel to each other to these two series. Brent? Well, I think you can definitively see a change in the degree to which he allows characters to uh, progress. So the, the family dynamic at the beginning of the Fantastic Four, I don't think is as strong as after uh johnny's death and ben goes off that they really start to feel like their connection is more meaningful you know secret warriors and and shield it's relatively more static you don't really care as much about these characters and it's it's not like there's any you know a lot of advancement for them outside of individual betrayals that you see Jalen, um I'm just going to say this uh, as a kind of a preview for our next couple of Wikipedias for both Avengers, New Avengers, and then uh, Secret Wars. Um, I feel like Fantastic Four was Hickman's like apex, it was yes. the zenith of his Marvel work. Um, like, oh, so know, should Secret... we stop? We should stop this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to continue, motherfucker. No, um, because like Secret Secret Warriors and Shield were very proto like early Hickman stuff where he kind of hadn't figured it out like Fantastic Four like he like you know I keep saying over again he like finds like the the balance of plot and characterization new Avengers and Avengers I think kind of gets away from him a little bit as we'll as we'll talk about he's even said in, in like in in interviews after the fact that like he was sort of disappointed in how it, it turned out um in Secret Wars is a wonderful like cosmic storyline but it doesn't have the same level of characterization that fantastic four does and with x-men we've seen what happens is you know he set a really great like he set like a great like foundation and it kind of went off in a lot of different directions and he wasn't able to end it the way that he originally envisioned but he was okay with that so from like start to finish fantastic four i think is his like Mm -hmm. you know his definitive like magnum opus for marvel yeah that's when he found his voice completely well, yeah, and we'll be having, I guess, actually, before we wrap up, any final thoughts for Hiccupedia we haven't touched on that the listeners desperately need to know? Uh, I have one. Those <laughs> okay, outfits ahead, are bitch. great. Those, I oh. love those outfits. Those are some sexy yes. outfits. Uh, Good job. If Good they, job. Those should be the outfits for the MCU, I think. I really Ooh, like the bitch. color combination. So I, re- I think they look great on screen because the blue ones are going to look like shit. So I love it. I thought those were amazing. Uh, mine is, I want to call bullshit. I don't think Peter Parker should ever be mad for having a giant juicy I was ass. literally going to oh, ask that. I <laughs> saved that as a screenshot on my phone. Has he not seen the picture of him talking to Captain America and his ass is like the tightest thing ever created? Have you seen that picture? Oh my God. I do not have a big butt. I will <laughs> not not have a big butt. I will not not have a big butt. Hell yeah. Um, jo- Johnny Storm intimates the fact that he has to look, he has those mirrors that he always checks out his own ass, like the mirror set up purposely just to check his ass out all the time. 
Oh, a thousand. That's Even that is very Johnny Stork. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this edition of Hickopedia. Our next one will be New Avengers or regular Avengers? Both. It's Avengers and New Avengers. Oh, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> you should have known that. Yeah, I know. You could have only possibly hold it here, heard it here only. <laughs> <laughs> spread the word. Spread the buzz. Get it out there. Uh, spread well, those yeah, cheeks. Well, you got more coming on. <laughs> If you if you're listening to this and you don't know who we are because you randomly stumbled upon this because you're a huge Hickman stan, uh, we have a weekly podcast you can listen to every Friday. We're fucking home as a period as you're listening right now, uh, and I think that's about it. So make sure you're stowing away your name work, um, because it's a lot. <laughs> it's a real geyser, but it goes fast because it's so a lot good. of semen. A lot of yeah, semen. he is quite the semen. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. We we opened with a lot of dick and sex and anal jokes, and now we're closing with some cum. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.